Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Hey guys, welcome back. I hope that uh, that time of worship just encouraged you, lifted your spirits, and gave you an ultimate, ultimately an opportunity to connect with God in his presence. And man, that's so important. So again, glad you are uh, participating. Glad you're here for that. And uh, let's keep moving on today. We are in week number two of our series called From the Grave. And uh, we, w- essentially what we're talking about in this series is that for a lot of us, we're alive on the outside. Like, I mean, we're moving, we're happy, we wear a mask that everything is okay. We go to work, we get married, we're dating, or we have kids. And We're alive on the outside, but something on the inside, something within us is in a process of dying or at least to us has died itself. And in this series, what we're hoping is is to breathe life into those things that have died inside you or or in the process of dying. That's why this series is called From the Grave because when things are dead, you put them in the grave. And Last week, we talked about the, the fact that it ain't over till it's over, that even when we think it's over, Jesus says that it's not. In fact, that was the case in the story of Lazarus that we talked about, is that Jesus said he was dead. He said, but he, he's not going to die, even though Lazarus actually did die. But it wasn't over till it's over, that even though Lazarus was dead four days, Jesus still raised him back from the dead because that's what Jesus does. In fact, we see that in the two key verses that we've grabbed for this series. Uh, and the first one is from last week's story. It is John eleven twenty five. 25. This is Jesus talking to Martha, uh, the sister of the dead man, Lazarus. He said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. So resurrection power is bound up in Jesus. He is the one that has life. He said, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Jesus is saying to her, the same power that is gonna raise him from the dead is available to you and me today. And it's available to us through him. Revelations 1 verse 18, this is our second key verse. Jesus claimed, he said, I am he who lives and was dead And behold, I'm alive forevermore. And then he goes on and amens himself. He says, and I have the keys of Hades and of death. And if you're following along, those verses, you click on notes, you can see these verses over here. So what Jesus is saying is, not only am I the way and the life, uh, but but he, not only the resurrection, excuse me, and the life, but he holds the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He has the power to unlock the dead things in our lives. And so last week, we asked you, we gave you the very first key, and that is for you to believe, whether that's for the first time or to believe again, to place your trust and your faith in the one who has the power to bring dead things back to life. And so this week, we're continuing on, and we're gonna, this week, we're actually going to look at the subject of dreams, because each and every single one of us have dreams. Now, When you look at dreams, there's a study of dreams. It's called onorology. And the study of dreams is more about the process of how we dream when we're asleep. And that's not really what we're talking about. That's more of our head dreams, all right? Now, I I don't know about you, but I've had some weird dreams in my life. There are two 
that continue to present themselves over and over and over again for me. And in particular, when I have these dreams, they kind of wake me up in a cold sweat and a bit of a panic. The first one is one that's very common to people, but one that's very specific to me, and it seems to happen. I wake up, I'm in bed, I got no blankets, and I'm completely naked, and I'm in the middle of class, I'm at work, I'm up on stage in front of all of you, completely buck naked, and I wake up in a panic realizing Dear Lord Jesus, thank God, I'm in my bed. And everybody out here who could have potentially been in the audience also said, amen. Thank God, that was just a dream, Aaron. The other one that that has me wake up and has me jerk, often physically respond to the dream, is any dream which I'm walking and suddenly I fall. Man, that one gets me all the time. I'll be sleeping and then I just kind of jerk. I remember one time I, I jerked so hard that I actually flung my fist and punched my wife in the face. And uh, I, it, that's funny now. It wasn't funny then. It still ain't funny to her. But it was real funny to me. What about you? Over here in the comment section, use a few words to describe it. But what's a recurring dream that, that keeps you up at night or one that you've had on a regular basis when you fall asleep? Share it over here in the comments. We'd love to know what that is. But these dreams that we're talking about, those, are, those are, are just head dreams. But specifically this week, I want to talk about how there are dreams in your life that, that die or are in the, in the process of dying or are already dead. And those are not head dreams. Those are more heart dreams. They're aspirations. And every single one of us have those dreams. You know what they are. You know what yours have been. There's hopes and dreams that you've had goals, accomplishments, a vision for the future, an expectation of how life should go. Man, I, I, I had a dream specifically for this church. And I remember, man, when God called me to plant this church, there was nothing else that I wanted to do that made any sense to me. There was nothing else. There was no job. There was no amount of waiting. Everything was pain waiting for the very first day that I got to be the pastor of the church that God had called me to lead. But in that process, I knew I needed to find a home for us. And I've told this story many times, but if you're with us for the first time, this is news to you. Man, we looked everywhere for a church. And I had a dream. I had a vision of what this was going to look like, man. I thought I knew what kind of church building we should be in. I thought, you know, so many church plants, they start off in schools. And so we started there. But in, in our city, in Reynoldsburg, Ohio, the schools have a policy that, that pretty much guarantees that churches don't get to use any of the facilities on a regular basis. It's a policy that was written into their bylaws since the 80s, and they weren't changing it. And so we were not going to be able to use the schools on a regular weekly basis, even though we had money. Then we went to strip malls, and none of the strip malls in our community were willing to allow a church to be in there. They wanted somebody that would have some, a presence on a daily basis, bringing business to that building and to the other businesses around it. So all the strip malls that we knocked on the doors that we could have afforded, they didn't want our money either. I even went to an old Hooters building right here on Main Street in our city. Y'all know what Hooters is. Come on. I know that you had a life before Christ. Some of you even went there this week. I get it. I'd been there before too, and not for what you think. Their wings are actually really good. Now, I'm not telling you to go, and I'm not condoning any of that. I just know that we all had a life before Christ. And so I went to this Hooters place. They were shut down, and I said, hey, how about I buy or rent your building from you? And instead, they said, no, we don't want to rent to a church, and they demolished it. They just bulldozed the whole thing. Man, I, I had visions for each one of those places. Like, God, this is what it could look like. 
And it wound up that the place that God had for us was a funeral home. Now, I don't know about you, but when God plants a dream in your heart and you're planting around a whole bunch of other people and there's, you're in an environment where you're walking with other church planters and you're looking at the places that they're getting into, the school buildings, the strip malls, and all the different places, funeral home is not on a list of places that you check into. But what happened was we wound up getting into a place and our dreams started. We planted there at a church for a year and a half. And here's what wound up happening. God still planted his church. He still let me start a church, though it didn't look like I wanted it to. God had something else in mind because that, that situation turned into a financial blessing that was more than I could have ever imagined. And I have to tell you, God is like that. He is like that. He has a dream that is bigger for you than you could even dream yourself. In fact, he'll have a dream that doesn't look like what you think things should look like. He'll have a dream that is not on the same timeline that you have, and it's also almost always way better than you can imagine. Ephesians 3.20 talks about God and who he is, and it says, now to him, this is Paul writing, to the church at Ephesus, he says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all, we can ask or imagine. In other words, God's able to do immeasurably more than we could even dream, according to his power that is at work within us, is what it says. See, God's dreams and his plans for you are not even dreams or plans that you can think up. In fact, if you can think of them, they're not God-sized because God's plans are bigger than us. Maybe it's that you dream of being a good parent, but God has a dream and a plan for you, for you to be such a good parent that you're an inspiration and a mentor to and a teacher to other parents and how they should lead and love their children's hearts. Maybe for you, it's, it's that, man, I want a marriage that is held together because maybe your marriage is running on fumes right now. And that's a good dream to have is that your marriage would be stronger. But God's got a dream where your marriage is so strong that it inspires others to, to follow his plan for them and to grow in the same way. Maybe it's that you just want to have peace about your finances or even just to have some finances. Man, that's an awesome dream. But maybe God's got a plan for you to grow in such a, such a way in your finances that you become wealthy and that you take that wealth and you begin to leave a spiritual legacy for when you leave this world. Well, maybe, maybe it's that you have a plan or a dream just to break the cycle of addiction. Maybe you come from a long line of addiction and your, your mother and your mother's mother and your mother's father and, and all the way down the line, the addiction has been in your family and you wanna break that cycle. But little did you know that breaking that cycle, God has a bigger dream for you, that you would not only break the addiction cycle in your life, but you would be part of pulling other people out of the fires as well. See, God's dreams are always bigger than ours. But here's the thing. There is a dream giver. He gives dreams that are bigger than us, but you need to also understand that there is an enemy of those dreams as well. And his job is to come along and to kill those dreams. In fact, John 10, 10 says it this way, that the thief, talking about the devil, that his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. Man, he wants to destroy those dreams, and he will stop at nothing to do that. He will stop at nothing to steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, there are several things, and I'm going to share them with you now, that the enemy will use to kill your dreams. And what I'm gonna do is actually use a story from the Bible as a backdrop to talk about 
your dreams and to talk about the dream killers and how we need to respond in order to be able to dream again, because that's today's key. I want you to dream again. And we're going to look at the story of Abraham to find some inspiration. Now, if you go to the book of Genesis, which is the very first book in your Bible, uh, Genesis chapter 15 through 22 covers the story of Abraham. Now, Abraham is a central character in the Bible. He is the father of our faith because God told Abraham, through you, I want all generations to be blessed. And he meant that, that through Abraham's lineage would come Jesus. And that's how all of the world has been blessed is through Jesus. So, so this, this, uh, these, these eight chapters are powerful. Understanding and knowing who Abraham is, please go and read them, make time to do that. It's an incredible story. But what I wanna focus in on is the dream that Abraham had. And what you need to know about the dream that Abraham had from the time that God steps onto the scene is it spans 25 years. Man, talk about a long time to wait on a dream. He had to wait nearly three decades before his vision for his life and the way that he thought things should go finally played out. And here's the deal. In the end, not only did Abraham have his dream, but God gave him immeasurably more. Because you see, Abraham's dream was that one day he would have a son. So let's flip over to Genesis chapter 15, verses one through five. Again, if you click on the notes, you can follow along here. But it says this. <clears throat> After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram, which by the way, his name started out as Abram. Later on, God changes his name to Abraham. It says, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I love that God always deals with our fears when he shows up on the scene. And he says, I am your shield, your very great reward. And Abraham, thinking logically, frames this reward through the lens of the dream that he has, which is what we often do, don't we? God loves you. Yeah, well, if God loves me, why don't I have this? Or why is this happening here? And we always tend to do this. Abraham does the same. Watch him. He says, but Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? See, there's his dream. And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Who's that guy? Abraham said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Abraham's got a dream. And his dream is to have a son. And he feels like, well, God, you know, you're, you're saying good things to me. I, I hear that you, you love me. I hear that your hand's on me, but, but my dream... And so God responds. And by the way, Abraham wanted a son. God has more in mind. Then the word of the Lord came to him. It's verse continues. This man will not be your heir. So talking about Eliezer, his servant. He's not gonna be your heir. He's not gonna inherit all your stuff. But a son coming from your own body will be your heir. So God's saying, you're not gonna adopt a kid. It's not gonna be about the servant. It's not gonna be somebody that you choose to bless. You will have your own biological child. And he took him outside and watch what God does. He says, look up at the heavens and count the stars. And I love this. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham dreamed of simply having a son, but God had a dream that Abraham would have nations. God's dream was a lot bigger. Now here's what you need to know about the scenario and about the life circumstances Abraham was in. He was at this time that God spoke to him 75 years old. Now, I don't know about you, but a 75-year-old today having a dream to have a son, dealing with the reality that, you know what, I'm gonna die soon, 
and I don't have a kid, and everything I have is going to pass on to my servant, that seems like a realistic claim. That seems like a realistic thought. It's not crazy. What is crazy is to believe that at 75 years old, you're going to have a kid. And yet, that's what God says is going to happen. Man, you want to talk about raising from the grave. We're talking about loins, that, that the fruit of our loins, right, or the, the ability to even have children is long past. But God was going to bring his loins back to life. So I want you to continue to watch Abraham's story uh, play out here. But I also want you to understand how the enemy came along through this process that Abraham was going to walk through, through the promise that God had gave him and how the enemy was going to take opportunities to try to kill Abraham's dream. And the first way that Abraham tried to rob him of the dream that he had to have a son and God's dream for him to have nations was through something called unfulfilled expectations. If you're taking notes, that's the very first dream killer is unfulfilled expectations. Genesis 16 verses one through two. Now Sarai, who is Abram's wife, she's called Sarai at this time, will later be called Sarah. Abram's wife had borne him no children. So that's the situation. He's 75. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Now, first of all, she's got some bad theology here. Sarai is frustrated. She expected to have a son. They haven't had one at this point. This is after the Lord's already said, you're gonna have a kid. Sarah's frustrated. Abraham's getting old and, and that's the reality of the situation. So what does Sarai continue to do? She starts to blame and complain and defend. She starts griping and she has these unfulfilled expectations and reasonably she is frustrated and she becomes impatient. And the danger of unfulfilled expectations is that we will ultimately grow impatient and take matters into our own hands. That's right, that's what Sarah did. She decided, I'm gonna try to make this happen. I'm gonna try to figure out how to have a kid through my own efforts. And since she couldn't physically have one, she thought maybe the problem's with me and it's not with my husband, so here's what I'll do. Jump down to verse two, it says, she said to Abram, go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And watch this. Guys, don't ever do this. But Abram did. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So he went and took Hagar to be his wife. And he had a son through Hagar named Ishmael. Now, if you read the story, you're going to see that what happened was this was a counterfeit dream because Abram's dream was to have a child biologically between he and Sarah, and that was God's plan for him as well. And Sarah grew impatient because of her unfilled expectations, unfulfilled expectations, and she decided to do something in her own strength, in her own effort, and the best idea she could come up with was for her husband to marry a second wife. And I'm gonna tell you, this was a bad idea. Men, don't ever do this. It will lead to regret. It did in Abraham's story. I don't even have all the, all the time to go into all the ways that it caused problems, but let me tell you, it, it created turmoil in his house. It created jealousy between his wife, and man, that was a problem. And in the end, Abraham had to do some things that were not cool. He had to throw Hagar out, throw out his son, and send him far away from him. And that caused all kinds of issues down through history. The second thing the enemy tries to use through this story as a dream killer is unrelenting doubt. He'll use unfulfilled expectations and unrelenting doubt. 
as the story progresses, it started with Abraham being 75. Abraham is now 99 years old. It's been 24 years. He still hasn't had a son. And in Genesis 17, verse four, God comes to Abram and he reaffirms his promise and reminds him, listen, it's been a long time. It's understandable that you would doubt, but let me go ahead and reassure you that what I said will happen, will happen. So God says, says this, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. Now jump down to verse 17 of that same chapter. Abraham fell face down. He laughed. He laughed. It's been 24 years since God told him, hey, you're gonna have a son and that you're gonna have nations. Abraham laughs and says to himself, not even talking to God, it's kind of like a snide remark behind somebody's back. <laughs> yeah, sure, okay. He says, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? She was nine years younger than him. And that, that seems reasonable. That question seems reasonable, right? Especially with what we understand about how our bodies work. Certain systems shut down at certain ages. It's been 24 years since God originally told him this. And I know, man, I get it. I can't even imagine 24 years because I know people that have been trying to have a child for a year and I know how, in, how emotionally distraught and downtrodden that process has felt to them. Imagine waiting 75 years, being told you will have a child, and then 24 more years go by. And the situation continues to seem impossible. Doubt creeps in. It seems reasonable that there would be this unrelenting doubt. <clears throat> but here's what it is. You need to understand that doubt is from the enemy. And doubt is a choice, just like faith, having faith is a choice. Doubt is one of the things that will quickly rob you of God's blessing. And you need to understand this also, that the opposite of doubt is faith. In James 1.16, it says this, that the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. James goes on to say that if you doubt, if you're somebody who's double-minded, like you go back and forth between doubting and trusting and having faith, if you doubt, you won't receive anything from God. How could you expect to receive anything from God? The danger of unrelenting doubt is that the lies of the enemy ultimately creep in and become truth to us and they kill our dream. So unfulfilled expectations, things that aren't working out like you thought, an unrelenting doubt. We start to doubt God's promises. We start to doubt our dreams and the dreams that God has for us. And then here's the final one, unchangeable circumstances. Again, it's reasonable. Abraham's 99 years old, but look what chapter 18, verse 11 says. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. You think? There's nothing he can do about this. It's a fact of life. Just like there's nothing we can do about the fact that we're in a pandemic. That's right, the coronavirus is here. There's nothing we can do to change that. We simply have to grapple with that fact. And it seems the facts of Abraham's situation makes his dream seem impossible. There are just simply facts of life that cause us to stop dreaming. 
I don't know about you, but maybe that, that fact is family dysfunction, or maybe there's been a major betrayal in your marriage that makes it seem like a dream of having a good marriage is impossible, or maybe the debt is too great and it's getting worse because of the current situation that we're in. You don't have a job and unemployment's paying a third of what you were paying, paying before, and you didn't have enough money to pay all your bills then. How are you going to have enough to pay them now? And or maybe, maybe you've got a health situation where the doctors don't know what to do and it doesn't matter where you turn, you can't find relief for a chronic pain that you're in. It just, these are just facts. These are circumstances we find ourselves in that don't line up with what we dream about. And Abraham had every excuse in the world to give up and to stop dreaming. He had unrelenting doubt, unchangeable circumstances, and unfulfilled expectations. But here's the call today, that no matter what situation you find yourself in, that it is time for you to dream again, to allow Jesus to step into that situation and give life, to unlock the, the death of that dream, to breathe life into it again. I want you to dream again this week. That's what I've been sent here to do, to encourage you that it doesn't matter the circumstance, doesn't matter how long you've been waiting, God wants to breathe life back into the dream that he originally gave you. And in this series, what I promised to do was give you some practical steps so that you can dream again. So here they are. Here's a couple practical things that you can do is that even if it takes a long time, I want you to dream again. I don't know about you, but over here in the chat box, you don't have to say what your dream is necessarily, but, but how long have you been waiting on a dream that you've had in your heart? Whether it's months, whether it's years, go ahead and share that in the chat box right now. But no matter how long it's taken for you to see this dream fulfilled, here's my encouragement to you today. Trust God's process. Trust his process. You know, last year, I was, in, I was in a living hell. I was in a health situation with my back. There was, there, I had talked to multiple doctors. They did not know how to fix it. The doctor that did say we could do surgery didn't give me much hope that the surgery would even be successful. And I went to God in January of 2019 and I said, God, I can't stand this anymore. I'm in so much pain. I'm hurting so bad. This has gone on for so long. Nobody seems to know what to do. There doesn't seem to be any hope. I need out. I need this fixed in my life. And I remember God speaking to me in that moment. He said, I'll, he said, I'll fix this, but I'm gonna have to take you through a process. Will you trust the process? And I, I couldn't control the circumstances. I couldn't control how long it was gonna take. I couldn't control what wasn't working. All I could do in that moment was choose to surrender to the process, so I did. One of the things that I wound up walking through in order to uh, uh, surrender to the process, in order to trust that process, was I wound up taking a mental health journey, and who would have thought that going through a mental health journey would have helped me with my back, but I wound up doing that, and when I got into, into the program that I walked through to help me get my mind set right, their slogan, didn't even know this till I got there, do you know what it was? This was six months later that I wound up in this, on that journey. It was trust the process. Man, I knew in that time that I was in the right place. And Abraham was going through a process too. You're gonna go through a process as well. 
even if it takes a long time, you can dream again. Genesis 21, 5, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. That's crazy, isn't it? 100 years old that he and Sarah had a biological child together. He was 100, she was 90 or 91. 25 years is how long it took for that dream to be fulfilled. And I know you feel that right now. You feel the weight of that statement because you've got a dream and you feel like it's been taking forever. But I'm here to tell you today that your breakthrough is just around the corner. That no matter how long it takes, even if it's taking a long time, trust the process, dream again. When it comes to God, I know this about him, he is never late. When your dream is fulfilled, it will be right on time. And I also know that every moment of the process that you're walking through is intentional and God will use it for his glory and for your benefit. So dream again, even if it takes a long time. God is shaping you in ways you can't imagine as you wait. Proverbs 16, nine says this, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Man, there's some steps God has for you to walk out. So trust the process, dream again, even if it takes a long time. So here's the thing, dream again, second point, even if it sounds ridiculous. I don't know about you, but God has asked me to do some ridiculous things that were part of the process that he had for me, part of his plan and his purpose. And if that's been you, if God's asked you to do something ridiculous that ultimately was a blessing for you, and maybe even a greater blessing than you expected for someone else, where you shared over here in the chat box, we'd love to celebrate that and go, man, that sounds crazy. Go ahead and share that right now. But here's the thing. Dreaming again, even if it sounds ridiculous, is part of God's purpose so you can trust his purpose. Abraham had to. After Abraham has Isaac, God tests his heart and he tells him to do something that's ridiculous. Check it out. God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, this is Genesis 22, verse two, take your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountains I will tell you about. Okay, yeah, you heard that right. God said, Abraham, I want you to take your dream and I want you to go sacrifice it. I want you to lay him on an altar and I want you to kill him. Now, here's the thing. Abraham took his son. He said, okay, God, I'm on board. He said, I'm on board, let's go. And he and his son, I've always imagined this scene as being very terribly awkward. I mean, could you imagine having a child that you're gonna go and, and honor God and lay him on an altar and you're gonna kill him because that's what God said to do because you believe that God had a dream for you to have a son, but not only have a son, have nations and that, that Abraham must have somehow believed that if, even if he had killed his son that God would raise him from the dead. I don't know what he was thinking, but he decides to be obedient and to trust God's purposes above his own. And so he takes him up to the mountain, of course, once he binds him and lays him on the altar, which goodness knows how in the world did Isaac just lay still for that. Uh, the Bible says he raised his knife and, and an angel stopped him and, and, and he didn't kill him in the end. God was just testing Abraham's heart. But there are things that God will tell you to do that just sound crazy. Some of you are like, oh no, I'd, I'd lay my kid on an altar. I'd kill him right now. <laughs> Listen, don't do that. That's not, I don't believe that God wanted Abraham to actually kill his kid. He was just testing him to see. But you need to know that whatever the ridiculous thing is that we walk through, the, whatever the ridiculous thing that he asks you to do, if it sounds ridiculous to you, the dream that you have, man, trust it as part of God's purpose, right? It, you need to understand that it's part of God's nature. 
ultimately to test your heart. Are you willing to do something that is ridiculous to be part of God's dream for your life? Because remember, God has a dream. He has a purpose that is way beyond our own. And he tested Abraham in that situation and he'll test you. And when a test comes like that, to do the ridiculous thing, we need to trust God's purpose. Even when it sounds ridiculous, here's why. Isaiah 55, eight through nine, this is God speaking. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. What God is saying to us is, you're not me. I'm not God, you're not God. So our plans, our ways, our purpose doesn't come close to comparing to his. So when it comes down to our dreams, I'm encouraging you to dream again, even if it sounds ridiculous, because you can trust God's purpose. The third thing I'm gonna challenge you to do in your dreaming is dream again, even if you don't think you can. Man, there's a lot of us that can relate to this. There's a dream that you have in your heart to reach a community of people. Maybe it's to reach the the homeless community. Maybe it's to make a difference in in an addiction community. Maybe it's to make a difference in families, in marriages, in finances. There's a dream in you to meet a need in a community or somewhere in this world. And you just feel like it's way outside of your reach. You feel like there's just no way that I can do this. If you've ever faced this, would you share in the comment box? We'd love to, to, to share your heart and to share that experience. But here's the thing. We, I know you've been there. But in the face of thinking that you can't, saying, I don't think I can, you need to know that you can trust God's promise in that situation. You say, Aaron, you don't know my situation. Aaron, you don't, you don't know. Maybe that worked for him, but that's certainly not gonna work for me because I don't think that I can. I don't have the giftings. I don't have the experience. I don't have the people. I don't have the resources, the opportunities. I can't, I won't, I don't. All these things. You're right. You can't. You won't. You don't. Without God. But see, once you add God to the equation, Once you understand that his promises are true, that if you will, then he will, that whatever that statement is, that act of obedience, that, hey, it's gonna take a while, and hey, it's gonna sound ridiculous, but if you will, then I will, God's going to come through on what he promises to do. Because with him, all things are possible. Jesus, even talking to a man one time, looked at them and said, in Matthew 19, verse 26, he said, with man, this is impossible. He was talking about a miracle. But with God, all things are possible. And you need to know that that's the case. Today, if you feel like that dream is impossible for you, that you can't, you don't, you won't, because you don't have, you're right. But with God, all things are possible. Look at what happened with Abraham. Genesis chapter 22, verse 15 through 18. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have, note that, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, this was the moment when he was gonna kill him, because you haven't withheld your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, watch this, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. See, because you've done this, because you took your son when in the moment of testing, because 
You accepted my dream over yours. Because you were obedient, because you have, I will. And he was talking about blessing all nations. He was speaking of Jesus. He says, because you have, I will. If you'll be willing to dream again, to be obedient, even when it takes a long time, and even when it seems ridiculous, and even when you don't think you can, God will insert his I will. And there's a direct connection between our faith and God's action because it will take faith to dream again in the face of these things that are adverse. To choose to dream again, if you'll do that, I believe that's when God will step onto the scene and Jesus will unlock that death of that dream in your life. You can be the father that you've always wanted to be. You can have the family that you've always dreamed of having and you can do what God has put in your heart to do if you'll choose to dream again. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would just help us to dream again. Lord, even when it takes a long time, even when it seems ridiculous, even when we can't do it, even in the middle of a pandemic, Lord, with you, may we know for in the, not just in our minds, but in our hearts and in our spirits, let faith rise to believe that with you, all things are possible so that we trust the process, so that we trust your purpose, and so that we trust that your promises are true. Lord, ultimately, so that we wind up in a place where we simply say and declare, we trust you. Help us live a life of trust so that we can dream again. Now, there are those of you that are watching today that you need to understand that, that dreaming again, that the, the impossible things in your life, the things that are beyond you, they begin with God. With God, all things are possible. And some of you would identify that right now, in this moment, no matter where you're at listening to this message, that you're not with God. Maybe there was a time in your life when you were. Maybe you've never, ever been with God. That you would say, there's a line in the sand. He's on one side, I'm on the other. Whether you put yourself there or you've just always felt like you are there. You feel this gap, this distance. You feel far from God. And again, maybe because you chose to wander far from him or you just always felt this way, I'm here to tell you today that no matter how far you feel you are from God, that he is right there with you now. He's a breath away. The Bible says in him we live and move and have our being. He is all around you. Many of you right now, you can feel his presence. And all he's, he wants for you, in order to, for you to accomplish that being with God, is for you to turn to him, for you to trust him with your life, for you to surrender and say, Jesus, I'm gonna let you be Lord of my life. Unlock the dead things in my life. Bring me, let me experience the same resurrection power that was inside of you. So here, if you're ready to do that, if you're ready to trust in him, to put your whole faith in him, to accept him, to say, Jesus, be Lord. You're gonna be in charge. I'll follow after you. If you're ready to do that, if you're ready to connect to God through Jesus, I'm gonna pray a prayer. 
But as we do that right now, if you're going to join us in that, there's on the screen right now, just below me, there's a, there's a thing that says, I'm going to raise my hand. Would you click that right now and say, I'm raising my hand. I'm saying yes to Jesus. It's not going to point you out. It's just going to let us know that you're here and you're making that decision. And we'd love to celebrate that with you. In a moment, we will. But click that button and say, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm making a declaration. This is me doing it. I'm raising my hand digitally right now. Jesus, be Lord of my life. Choose. Choose. And if you're ready, I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And I'll lead you in the prayer. And it's not the words that make a difference in your heart. It's the faith, the belief that you have that Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead, and he now has the power to forgive you, to make you brand new, change your life, and bring the dead things in your life back to life again. So if you're ready, let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Today I surrender to you. I trust you. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. And show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, if you raised your hand today, I am telling you that the Bible says heaven is having a party. Everybody over here in this chat room right now is having a party. We celebrate this life decision that you have made and know this, that you weren't meant to walk this alone. No matter where you are in the country, we would love to connect with you. And if you'll click up here on our connect card and fill that out, we would love to help you with your next steps so that you know how to follow Jesus. We'd love to get you connected with a Bible so that you can start reading God's word. We have Bible studies available to you to help you walk through that process. We have a bunch of resources we just want to connect you with because you're not meant to do this all alone and we want you to be part of our family, whether that's digitally because you're across the country or if you're locally, we'd love to have you join us. But man, fill out that connect card so that we can connect with you today. Now listen, for the rest of you today, we are here just celebrating what God is doing. I want to thank you so much for again for being with us. One quick thing that I want to do is, as we're wrapping up is first just to give you an opportunity to uh, work out and live out your generosity. You know, we, have, we don't have to give, we get to give. And so at this time, there's things to be showing up on the screen right now that'll show you how you can give. You can mail your checks in through for your tithes and your offerings, whatever God has laid on your heart to give. But know that your generosity is being handled in incredible ways right now. This week, I, I mentioned last week, we sent out cookies to our first responders here at the four different fire stations in our community just to say thank you so much to be a blessing to them. We've ordered N95 masks that we've already got uh, hospital workers and essential employees at grocery stores lined up to receive as they're working on the front lines, loving people and showing up at work and potentially exposing themselves to the coronavirus. We've, we're also giving to the Heart Food Pantry and to the Dream Center. These are incredible places of need right now. I wanna encourage you in your generosity, man, your giving is making a difference today. So just know that, that that's going on. We thank you for your faithfulness to continue to give, to, to give to a certain God in uncertain times. We thank you for that. Let me pray for you as we dismiss today. Know that I would love to see you back here next week. Also at attendchurch.online, there are resources for you for our daily Bible studies. We'd love to see you in there. There's mid-morning one and there's evening ones available to you. But, but listen, pursue God in this time. A lot of you have more time on your hands than you've ever had before. So join us, make the most of this time, make the most of your relationship with God 
And let me pray us out. Lord, thank you again for your blessing on us. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. Thank you for the many people that said yes to you today, God. And thank you, thank you, thank you for your word that challenges us. And thank you, Jesus, for your spirit that brings dead things back to life. Lord, we love you today. Be with us this week. Protect us. Keep us safe from the pandemic, Lord Jesus. Keep us, keep our families free and clear and healthy, Lord. Cure those and heal those that are already sick, Father. Keep your hand upon all of our first responders, Lord. Those that are caring for the sick, Father. We, Lord, we pray for an eradication of this virus from among us, God. We pray for a cure to come forward, Lord, and that you protect our hearts and our minds as we walk through this, Lord. We just trust you and love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. God bless you guys. We will see you back here, right here at our online campus for Simple Church.